Hey guys, Maestro here, and I wanted to personally invite you to Rockstock 2018, the movement experience of the year. Join us in sunny Miami Beach, Florida on October 27th and 28th for movement, laughter, dancing, music, fun, and yes, you will get CEUs. The lineup is absolute fire, including yours truly and your boy, Dr. John Campione. So head on over to rocktape.com, use the code RTPODCASTERS18, and save yourself $100. Yeah, 100 bucks. I'll see you there. And thank you so much for tuning into the Rock Tape Podcast. Today with me, I have Dr. Jen Hutton, a DPT from Tennessee. Jen is currently working in one of the top children's hospitals in Tennessee, treating developmentally delayed population, as well as children with neurological and orthopedic diagnoses, both uh, congenital rather, and acquired. She is a selective functional movement assessment, functional movement system, and a myodetox level one certified provider and is the lead physical therapist in a regional combined specialty hip clinic, which offers preoperative and postoperative rehabilitation programs for local patients, as well as coordinating treatment plans with out-of-state physical therapists. Jen, what's up? Hey. How are you doing tonight? I am awesome. Excited to be on here. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time, too. You know, uh, as we record this, it's a, a little bit later in the evening, too. You and I were both kind of like, oh, we'll totally do the evenings. That's when my kids go to sleep. That's when you you have some availability as well, too. So I appreciate it. I don't sleep. So, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> so one of my favorite questions to ask all of our instructors is really, how did you get started with Rock Tape? When did you start? When did you come on with us? I actually came on with you guys April of this year. Yeah. Were you, yeah. At, last, were you at the summit in January? I was. Okay. So in Mexico. That was the first time I met you, if I recalled right. So yeah, that is right. So how did that come about? How did you find Rock Tape and then start to kind of come on with us? So I actually found Rock Tape through Shantae. Um, mm-hmm. I was following her on social media, and I went to Nashville, and this was back in 2016, I believe. And so I went to one of her courses. Um, absolutely loved children's her in. And she came to us in June of last And um, when you guys were looking for a pediatric instructor to teach your class, she just kind of said, do you think you want to do it? And I, uh, knowing that I was scared as all get out. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best yeses I've said in the last few years. (laughs) I like that, best yeses. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how I got started um, as an instructor. Excellent. yeah. What, uh, when was the first time you, I guess you, you probably already answered this, but had you uh, worked with Rock Tape or even just any kind of kinesiology tape, any kind of tools before you met with uh, Shantae or even started following her and, and took one of her courses? So I, 
and they came back with um, a book. And so I would use the book sometimes, but let's be real, writing a two-year-old to find the origin insertion, that's <laughs> just not likely. So I gave up on taping very early. Um, and then I just said, you know what, I treat um, two to 19, a lot of ortho kids. I said, I need to, I really need to buy down and take a course. And I had already been following Shantae, so that's how I got to rock tape, and since then, it's kind of really the clinic than they. So it's, I think it, it was great that I came and took the course. It benefited. So you mentioned kind of the. I always make this joke too about like the books that are out there, and they're so specific about application too. Yes. Um, and you just said it, it really kind of turns you away from using tape altogether. Oh my goodness. Um, was that open source concept that, you know, framework idea, did that really kind of draw you in? Was it the tape itself? What really, what really kind of blew you away? I would say the approach to taping. I, I always tell people when I teach the curriculum is what got me. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was not so specific and turn the body here and internally rotate the leg and lay them on their side. I just... I can't get down with like rules. <laughs> uh, so when the one thing, course, figure out what the that is right. So between that and then just pro body and the nervous system and and, and the general, I just felt like it opened up a whole new world for me when it came to not just tables and how I using them with my, my population. With your population, do you think that these courses with the tape and the tools, did it kind of augment what you're already doing? Did it change the way you were doing things? What, what, how, what kind of effect did it really have in your practice? I would say it, it augmented a lot of what I was doing, but we, pediatrics tend to reach for tools. Your okay. hands are usually your tools when it comes to those kids. And when I started taking any of the rock, all of the rock tape courses, I started to implement some of what I was learning into my treatment. Um, I, I call my tool bag. Um, so I was bringing the tape, I was bringing the blades, the cups, like I'm bringing stuff and everybody's looking at me sideways, like these are kids, what are you gonna do with it? But I have found some amazing ways to use some of these tools that people think so it's just for, for your sports, for your athletes. But my kids have had some amazing results with some of our tools. So I, I think it augmented and then just brought like a whole new way and a whole new um, set of skills to uh, how I treat. I'm so glad you said that too, because I, I, I do kind of not like when people kind of pigeonhole something like that into one specific population. And you're a perfect example of that because of the type of, of patients that you see. And I, I love seeing your Instagram posts of the kids that you work with. Yes. Um, I'm so interested to get into how you use these tools with some of your patients in the, in the different cases that you see. Yeah. Um, so which tool you wanna start with? <laughs> what do you think? Let's go with tape. I would love <laughs> to hear, cause I think there's a lot of people out there that um, I'm making assumptions, but I, I think a lot of people use more tape than tools right now just because of the way that the paradigm has shifted. I think tape's been uh, kind of a little bit more popular. So I know there's someone listening, at least one person out there that's like, I do work with some peds, so I'd love some tips. 
Mm-hmm. So I would say some of the top ways that I use it, I use it with a lot of my CP kids, quadriplegic mm-hmm. and hemiplegic for input and awareness. Um, and I tend to use it for, I should say, some of my stroke patients as well. Um, I have some TBI kids that I use it for. I use it for my Ehlers-Danlos and hypermobility. I absolutely love. Um, I got to stop you with that one. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Ehlers-Danlos with skin sensitivity, how, yeah. how can you really get into using tape? Because I know someone would jump immediately and go, can you tape someone with that? Oh my goodness, you can. Now, what I will say is you definitely are going to do a test strip (laughs) to make (laughs) sure, um, because no, everybody cannot be taped. But a lot of times I start with the gentle Mm -hmm. and, and then I go from there. I probably only had a couple kids where I'm like, okay, well, skin sensitivity is one of your symptoms clearly. So we're just not going to use tape for you. However, I have had them wear compression garments. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes if we're for the compression garments just so they can get that input as well that's so cool because it surprises a lot of people you know when you teach a two-day course of tape sometimes i tell people like hey if you're not going to keep this on just tape over the clothes I yeah practice in and people still get results over their like track pants it's crazy exactly that's yes. really cool yeah that's really really cool um I, so i love using it for that um and and of hearing the older kids with um, hypermobility issues and Ehlers Danlos, they'll tell you, I feel like I know where my body is. And, oh, I love hearing um, that. And that's huge for yeah. oh, it. Be- that I get to use, but now that this is something you can do, then you they take it home and they use it for themselves. And sometimes if this use at home, that's really great. Do you teach them to maybe tape themselves at home? Is that what you mean? No. Okay. I take videos of me taping and then some the parents. And I'll teach the kids if they're old enough. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great That's way cool. to empower them as well at a young age. I was just going to say that, empowering them. You know, you're the one who really got me on board with the concept of let your patient see the tool and feel the tool and touch the tool because you spoke on that last time I saw you in in January. And I, you know, you were talking about kids, but I'm like, adults act like kids as much as kids act like kids. (laughs) So what, let them touch the tool, see the tool, things like that. Tell me a little bit about how that really affects the treatment outcomes when you empower a patient like that. I think it's something that I, had to implement from day one of starting with peds, um, not just with tools. Kids are skeptical, especially the ones that have medical issues because they're in and out of doctor's offices all the time. So the minute they see you, they're scared. It's like, what are you going to do to me? Yeah. Okay. There's no needle here. And then you see that, that face lift and they're, they're already okay. (laughs) But then they want to see, you know, the toys. Can you play with that toy? They want to see the tape. Would you put the tape on? They want to see that they are, they can be comfortable with whatever you're using on them. Mm-hmm. And they see you using it or they see their parents using it, then that came from a kid. And I don't, kids are some hard judges. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm walking around looking crazy, just that the kid feels comfortable with what I'm doing with them. 
Um, so when it came to the tool, and they look, you know, they can look kind of. So yeah. saying, okay, here, play with it, do whatever you want, bang it, thing that can break, <laughs> and <laughs> and then and then once I turn on YouTube, they're letting me do whatever I want to. <laughs> oh, so giving them a little bit of distraction therapy. Oh, right? Younger attention issues, which. Um, if I have to do something manual, especially with my tools, I usually will turn something on just for the distraction technique of them being able to sit there while I'm doing it. So how long is a session typically for you? Um, if it's a kid that's a developmental, um, then it's usually an hour okay. um, or any of my special needs kids, always an hour session. And then it really depends because ortho for us is just complete. We have CP kids. And they're coming in, but it's so I can schedule for, um, but a lot of them, if they're just typically developing kids that come in with back pain, you know, ankle sprain, they're 30 minute sessions. Okay. How much time do you think you have to devote to maybe uh, giving them uh, that, that, uh, that good feeling, that empowerment of letting them be safe uh, or feel safe with the tools? Oh, within a session? Yeah. My older kids, they're fine. They really don't care. Okay. Um, that takes two minutes of this is what I'm going to do. And they're like, okay, fine. The younger kids, it probably can take three to five minutes if I know the kid. Because okay. if they already have that trust in me, then they're, they're, they trust whatever I use on them is going to be fine. Um, and I usually don't pull the tools out with my younger kids for a few sessions because I like to, you know, touch and, and get to know them and figure out exactly what makes them tick and how tools usually don't come until later for that, that developmental population. So what kind of things are you using the, the tools for uh, application wise? Are there any particular cases that you definitely are, are using the tools for, or is there any special way that you like to use them with all the different applications that we teach in those courses? Um, well, I know one thing that I started to use more um, are my blades. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of kids with awareness issues and tone, and I've our down regulation on techniques that we use yeah. um, just to actually help improve tone before I start some of my sessions. Mm -hmm. I've used kids video casting on. Um, so those kids that have that limited dorsiflexion, and a lot of it is because of tone, yeah. Um, I'll do see the I'll use blades on them for down regulation before I put them in their cast. Okay. Um, and we've had some really great results, and it's actually um, faster results. Really. Get them in a better position when we're casting them. Um, therefore, that's, they get their range faster. That's a really good point. Interesting. Yeah, I really love it for that. And then, of course, I use it for like my toe walkers and. Uh -huh. um, kids that I'm actually trying to work on things, I'll do a lot of it. Most of it's down regulation. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I've tried up regulation just for fun, <laughs> <laughs> and I've had some really interesting results. Um, between I said down regulation and feathering are the two techniques that I go to um, with my blades. I was just going to ask about yeah feathering too, just to kind of that, I mean that has down regulatory effects itself, yeah. but also just getting them out of their pain. Yes. I got I to gotta ask, what are some of the interesting things that you saw with upregulation? <laughs> um, well, I have one kid, and I, he 
his arm is like a wing when he gets excited. I mean, it literally just flaps. <laughs> and for fun, he was having an interesting day and I was feeling a little impish. Um, I tried it and I mean, that thing went so high and so fast. <laughs> I took a video of it just for fun. Um, so that that has been interesting. I've seen some kids where they're, they just were a little, I don't know, I'd say off when they got up to walk when I've tried it on lower extremities okay. um, with high tone. So it just seems like down and like the feather out, those techniques tend to be the best for that population. But of course I use all of them on, I mean, we have a lot of chronic pain kids. Yeah. Um, we have chronic pain, we've got fibro kids. And then we've got kids that, you know, post-op that I've used as well. And that's when I tend to go for more of the upregulation um, techniques as well. So how are you incorporating things like maybe floss or even the pods? So I can't use floss because <laughs> it's not no, latex-free. Oh, good point. Okay, yeah. And we can't any um, latex-free products. In. Uh, so they rather they just can't even be in the room? No. Okay. Nothing, nothing in the clinic. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's um, a good thing to know for anybody who might, you know, if your patient might even have a little bit of a latex allergy, yeah. like that floss, think about it, yeah. Yeah, and, the, and a lot of our kids have skin sensitivity, so it's almost like if it's anywhere near you or there's residue on your hands, you just gotta be careful. Oh yeah, good point. So how about the pods? Are you using those a lot? <laughs> so this is actually hilarious pods on someone's body for the first time today okay i've used them myself but being sure. able to use them on the kids that's a little different like the tools and the tape they're they're at use however i like to use the pods for like fine motor skills so i will have them like stuck on different surfaces and make the kids pull them off and put them back on that's an amazing um, use for that <laughs> I also have one, I just put up a video yesterday, I think, where I had the kid, um, we're working on body awareness and control. I mean, he runs down the hallway and he literally can't stop. He's running into a wall, he's falling down. Oh, he wow. has no control. I had to stand up and try to take the pods off the wall without moving his feet or his body. Um, oh, okay. he, he, he did not succeed, um, <laughs> but we're, we're gonna keep working on it. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting how you how you describe a lot of this stuff too, is this sounds a lot like play. It doesn't, you're not putting them through, they're not squatting and lunging and walking and stuff oh, like that. You're, yeah. you're putting them through a task oriented type of, of movement and asking them to make, uh, accomplish something. Yes. You know, tell us a little bit about why that's a little bit more effective in this population or maybe even something that, uh, that should be implemented more in adults. Well, it's, the, when you go into peds, they tell you the goal of your therapy is to get this child to be able to play. Um, for adults, of course, it becomes more boring and it's to be able to get them <laughs> to function and work. But all you want a kid to do is be able to play because that's how they explore life. That's how yeah. they learn their environments. That's how they learn in general. That's how they socialize. So everything is centered around play and you have that mindset of, okay, whatever we're doing, I have to put it in the context of how are we going to make it fun? How am I going to get you to be interested in it? And I, it's, it's better for the kid and it's better for the clinician. I 
can say it has made me super creative with what I do. Sometimes I'll have kids literally go into our toy closet and say, pick whatever you want. And then I come up with ways on the spot to make it therapeutic. Um, it, it's interesting for me. It keeps fresh. The kids, I don't know, they, they absolutely love it because I, that's what they're designed to do. They're designed to have fun. I got to ask, do you sometimes find yourself daydreaming about different things that you can do the next day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in the middle I'll, of dinner with a friend you're just like oh i just thought of a great exercise or something like that or i'll see toys and be like you know what i could do with that that would be awesome <laughs> yes like that's the beauty of being with kids you can try things and fail and they don't care because generally they usually had a good time of course you know okay i probably can't do that again or you have to <laughs> tweak it but i mean with kids there's you you can't be a perfect clinician and i absolutely love that about working with kids that's amazing that's that sounds like a ton of fun too you know not to not to trivialize it or anything no no like no that, it is it's a blast yeah i actually had a um a kid today she's had hip surgery she's 17 years old um very serious very mature and she was stressed out about her progress she had it's probably going to take her about six months before she starts to feel normal again and so she had a little breakdown mentality her into our fun gym what they the kids call it put her on the Wii and made her do balance <laughs> but it was her laugh in so it, that's when you start to remember man you're not older or five-year-old that you still can't enjoy what we're doing yeah. um so being in that environment kind of it forces me to be fluid with my activities that I do for all of my kids. Are you working with a lot of adults at all? No. Well, I mean, it, it depends on what the World Health Organization says. Yes, 21 is an adult, but I oh. do have 21 year olds <laughs> that come into, into well, my clinic. <laughs> yes. I should say, are you working with, with people who, who are stuck at work all day and don't like it? But um, we, no, not, not yet. They're stuck in school all day. <laughs> there you go. So had you been working with peds your whole career or were you working with adults at one point? Um, I, I worked with adults for two years. And yeah. like you said, they acted like <laughs> when I went into physical therapy that I was going to do pediatrics because okay. um, that's how I was exposed. It's so interesting, though, too. I asked the question just because, you know, everything you're saying is so much stuff out there talking about meaningful movement, something we say in our Blades Advanced course all the time, and just getting people moving and making things task-oriented, making it fun. And everything you're saying, I'm just thinking to myself, it's like adults should be doing this the same way. We should be yeah. treating them the same way as well, too. It's amazing yeah. to kind of segregate it to uh, a certain age group, and then the other age group's like, nope, three sets of 10. Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy yeah. with that, yeah. And that's part of a lot of the stuff that I put out on social media um, is to, so people can be aware of the cool kids that I work with, mm -hmm. but so you, the way 
you can treat some of the same things that adults deal with. There are grown adults with hypermobility issues and stability issues. So maybe you need to put some pies on a wall and I guarantee you, you'll probably get a lot more out of them from that activity than you will from just having them stand on one leg. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, make it worth their while too. And I think sometimes our patients get conditioned into being like, well, it has to be this way. It has mm -hmm. to be done like that. That's how you get better, right? Well, no, but you know, why don't you make it fun while you're doing that? Yeah. And I think it also comes, I mean, if you look at the fitness world, um, it, it, it's just now becoming popular to do things like parkour or, um, sure. you know, some of the animal flow stuff that people are doing popular in the last what five ten years Definitely. whereas it used to be if you wanted to work out you got a membership to the y and you got on the treadmill and you got on the elliptical and you lifted weights yeah. um but i think since the, the it's shifting in how we look at even staying in shape it's starting to the walls i see on social media it feels like the walls are breaking down with how we view movement i totally agree yeah, people are getting kind of away from the mentality of just lifting weights, you know, three sets of 10, you know, stuck in machines, and they're moving their bodies a little bit more. Exactly. So what other kind of things are you incorporating? Like, how, how does, um, how do some of the other things that you were using before the, the blades and the tape, what kind of things were you were you using uh, before you did that, that tape and tools kind of helped, mm. uh, helped you improve upon or even just, you know, uh, gave a great assistance to? That's an awesome question. So one of the things that I used a lot were sensory. Um, oh, yeah. I'm so yeah. interested in that because we talk a lot about that with our comb tool. I know. It feels a little different than the comb tool. Sure. But the the brush, I use the brush for um, toe walkers, for kids with complex regional pain syndrome, for kids with sensory issues. And I've been able to for input mm -hmm. um, when it comes to some of those kids who can't tolerate intermittent touch. Okay. Um, and then I've I actually had gotten to use it with some of our CRPS kids too, um, tape and, and the blades. Um, so that both of those have been very helpful in like a lot of those demographics, especially the sensory, the sensory kiddos. Um, those where I use brushes for those, I've tend to move more towards tools uh, when I can, yeah. um, and then let the parents let the brushes at home. Um, we have, uh, and there are these suits that kids can be fit for, and depending on what issues they have, paneling in there that you can use. So let's say a kid um, is internally rotated and adducted that has there's paneling in the suit that helps them with external rotation and abduction. Um, but when it's hot outside, <laughs> this suit is not very comfortable. Is it like a compression and suit or at least it's, close to it? It's kind of like one. I mean, it, it definitely is very fitted so that that sure. paneling. But what we were finding was when it was summertime, parents were like, I'm not putting that kit that on my, you know, that on my kid, it's sure. 90 degrees outside. Yeah. When it's cooler outside, they can wear their dynamic orthoses. And then when it's hot, I tend to use tape measures. Very cool. That's an interesting thing, that, that suit concept. You, you're kind of the way you're describing it. I'm like, that sounds a lot like it's some of the tape applications. If you look at the paneling, it's just with 
tape. It's just now it's on 24-7. So you don't have to worry about any type of... Um, so the kids will usually wear it all day. Um, but like I said, when it's 90 degrees outside, that's not... It's <laughs> no, that's not fun. <laughs> no, not at all. Let's, let's go back a little bit too. Is Can you talk a little bit more on the concept of brushing, you know, for anybody who might be unfamiliar with it? Like, why is it useful? What does it actually do? So that's definitely going to be dependent on the diagnoses. Oh, I love but, that. Yeah, <laughs> I know the dependent where it's depends on what you it, see. It just <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Um, but like, let's say for your kids with sensory issues that are toe walkers, mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it's different textures that cause them to want to be up on their toes. And then it's the intermittent texture that they're feeling that, okay, I'm not, not putting my feet down for that. So what we do is we use not only brushes, we'll use sand and we'll use marble, we'll use beans, and we'll use rice. And it just allows them to get that input in different ways mm -hmm. so that their bodies can get used to it. It's just, it's, it's almost like exposure. You're exposing them to all these different textures so that their, um, their feet or whatever parts of their body are more sensitive can get used to that type of input. Um, for my complex regional pain syndrome, they don't want to be touched at all. Okay. And the brushes are very soft. Uh -huh. um, they have, yes, they have bristles, but it's when you rub them in like a horizontal or vertical fashion, not just like on top of the skin, yeah. it's very soft. So it's yeah. a great way to introduce that light. And then the more they get used to it, they can add um, definitely one of the less noxious ways that we like to input for touch. And then we move to different other ones like towels. And like I said before, beans and so that's usually what the brushes are used just to introduce that input depending on whether it's pain or just those sensory issues in general that touch i'm so interested in you talking about toe walking too because that's something i hear a lot about just talking with other parents and not necessarily seeing it that much but i hear it discussed quite a bit and it's interesting mm -hmm. that you that you say you know it's a texture thing the kids walking on, I would have to assume just, you know, certain types of flooring or even outside, they just don't like the feel of that on their feet. So they pop up on their toes to get away from it. That's one area. Still one of those big um, scary bears that we're afraid to assign um, reasons to, <laughs> okay. but sometimes it's sensory um, and okay. it's the texture of whatever their toes. Okay. Um, sometimes it's behavioral, like this is just how I started walking and this is, I feel comfortable here and that's where I'm going to stay. Okay. Um, and then you all kids CP or any type of TBIs that cause any body issues where their tone is so high, that's the position that they're in. So they end up walking on their toes if they don't have some type of bracing. So it's one of those, another, it depends. Yeah. Kid that you're seeing why they're walking on their toes. Well, I think a lot of people, they jump to that or maybe they're just conditioned because they hear about it that way is people just assume that back line is just overly tight and it's not always mm -hmm. the case. Because mm -mm. a lot of these kids, if you say, hey, can you put your foot and they can walk normal, but as soon as they're not thinking about it, they're right back up on those toes. Very cool. Very cool. So you're teaching the pediatrics taping course. So tell us a little bit about that, because uh, I get a lot of questions about some of our special 
uh, education courses and pediatrics is a big one that I uh, get a lot of questions for and I don't feel like I can do it justice. So tell, tell, let's tell us a little bit about it and the type of stuff that you talk about and teach uh, that makes it different from a regular tape course. Um, it's funny because some of them use in our basic course, we still use in pediatrics. Mm -hmm. It's more in the presentation of the diagnoses that you can use it for. Okay. Um, and then the movement. So I, I go all the way back to we, we talk about functional lines, mm -hmm. we talk about Tom Myers, and we talk about anatomy trains, but we talk about it in the form of development. So um, whereas we may talk about rotation and, and throwing when it comes to taping the spiral line um, or the the rolling. Um, we may talk about the, the helical pattern when it comes to posture, but I'm using it for input and awareness for my kids that are HEMIs or my kids that have Ehlers-Danlos. Mm -hmm. um, we, we do, like I said, taping for toe walking, taping for hypermobility, taping for low tone kiddos, um, taking, taping for high tone kids. Um, and then, of course, we delve into some of those pain and the sports type taping as well. Um, but I think because we, I go all the way back to those developmental skills when I am teaching, it gives you a little bit more broad of a spectrum of how you can use the tape. Very cool. Now, do you, because we don't have a pediatrics blades course, do you delve a little bit into uh, some of the blades work? Repeat that again. So uh, we don't technically have a blades no. course for pediatrics specifically like we do with tape, but do you talk about some of the, the blades applications or at least make suggestions? Oh, I definitely course? do because, you know, now Vine sends out the, the blades when you're teaching. Mm -hmm. So people will definitely ask and I go through all of the ways that I use it. Um, I'm hoping, hint, hint, that maybe we can have maybe a pediatric blades <laughs> and taping course. I don't know. I'm just going to put that out there. I'll back you up that <laughs> That's really one of my goals is to just overtake and say, no, we can use all of this stuff for Pete's. Um, but yeah, I definitely will walk yeah. through some of the ways, especially for those who are just so averse to it because they look at it and they, they do. I mean, in many ways, people have looked at rock tape and said, this is really just for the sports and ortho population, like we said earlier. So when they see the yeah. tools, they think the exact same thing. Um, so they'll ask, why did they send this to this course? And so I feel like that's my window of saying, actually, you can use these for your kids and here's how I use it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's actually been really cool to have them send those because now you see the light bulbs go off on a lot of the therapist's face. Um, so I know yeah. that pe I've piqued their attention with that. Would you say a majority of the people that come to the seminars are on board already or do you feel like you win them over during the seminar how do you think that tape and even the tools themselves uh the blades are uh perceived in the the therapy community tape especially pedi especially yeah pediatrics. tape generally um they're on board already though so what okay. i love to see though is how their brains get working from the open concept that we present um, that's mm -hmm. the part where they, they thought, oh, I can use it for this. I've tried it. And a lot of them have said the same thing I did. They got turned off by all the technicalities of how they had to tape. So once we start opening that window, then it's like, oh, can I use it for this? And can I use it for that? And oh, I'm thinking of all these kids. So tape is not hard. The tools, because we don't teach them, I don't teach them to, um, 
the pediatric demographic of those therapists, they usually won't ask the questions. So I try to throw it out there. They're definitely more, I should not averse, but they don't think about tools when it comes to peds. So that takes a little bit more nudging, um, which- That's a good way to yeah. say that. Yeah, they're not, they're not adverse to it. They're just not- really Yes, aware. they're not aware of the ways that it can be used. And I always tell them that that's, I mean, that's all you're doing is teaching little neurological systems. So this is another yeah. way that you can speak to that system. And I think we all want as many ways as we can get. More tools exactly. in your toolbox, right? So, you know, one thing that I see a lot of when I like to post some blade stuffs is, you know, I will, you know, show that you can do feathering over mm -hmm. clothing because maybe, maybe hypothetically, if there's a skin sensitivity and I always get inevitably one person being like, tell me why you're doing that over the clothing. Because, <laughs> and I know why they're asking that question. They're thinking of the, you know, adhesion breaker yeah. model and you have to dig into the tissue kind of thing. It, do you feel like that is a thought that a lot of uh, therapists might still have with the tools that kind of, you know, keeps them away from yeah. it? Yeah. That you mean thinking that that's what the tools do? Yes, yeah, definitely. Because that's how it's been presented, especially when, to the mainstream. Um, when you think about yeah. how everybody else looks at it, that's that's what I thought of when I first saw mm -hmm. tools. I was like, what am I going to do with that? But then I took the course <laughs> and I was like, oh, I can do absolutely everything with that. Um, which I'm really glad they're actually bringing back. You're able to order the black, is it the mullet? The, um, the plastic one? The mullet. Yeah, the because mullet, yeah. I had a lot of CRPS kids um, or kids that just didn't like cold and it was taking too long to warm oh. up the the tool. So that was one that I was like, nope, I need that one. <laughs> I really need the black one. Um, I was curious why you were uh, why you were thinking that. That is a great, great point. The stainless steel being oh, yeah. too cold. Oh yeah, my my CRPS oh, kids my were like not. Um, and I it was. <laughs> I mean, I, everybody said, "Well, have you tried warming it up?" Yeah, I've got thirty minutes. I'm not gonna spend three of them warming up. If I can just pull out a tool that works well, quickly, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And how else would you warm it up too? It's it's stainless exactly. steel. Like warming up means means it's gonna be exactly. hot. So then you have to wait for it to cool down. Yeah, you're speaking now you see what I was saying. <laughs> like I don't I don't have time for that. <laughs> the frustrations of it, yeah. Like, oh I gotta wait for it to get cold now. Oh that's right. now, now it's too hot. <laughs> now I've wasted ten minutes. No, I'm good. Let me give, give me the black tool. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the the setting that you that you work in too, because I think a lot of us that might be working, you know, in our own private clinics or smaller clinics, um, I you know I know I'm not familiar with working in a hospital setting, so I'm always curious about the different nuances of being able to treat in a hospital setting versus a private clinic. So I'm in the outpatient clinic, so it mm -hmm. is actually set up more like an out like a private clinic is. Um, it's okay. offsite. It's not in the in the actual main hospital. We're off campus, um, which I okay. absolutely love. Um, <laughs> I, I tried acute care for a little while, and I just didn't have as much freedom as I wanted. <laughs> so, back to yeah. outpatient, I went. So it's I mean it's set up pretty much the exact same. Um, like I told you, the the time that we have for all of the different patients um, and the demographic that I see, two to nineteen. So other than your age and your diagnoses, that's kind of what dictates how you're scheduled. Okay. Okay. I'm, uh, 
look taking a look at your profile mm -hmm. and you it uh, says that you uh, volunteer building adaptive bicycles for your local is it Amtrak? Yeah, Ambux. We have tell so what is an adaptive bicycle? So there's um, Ambux. Our chapter is called Music City Trikes. They are bikes that are built for kids with special needs to be able to propel independently or ride with assistance. Um, so we use those actually in our clinic for the kids to be able to ride bikes and for them to be able to practice. And then three, two to three times a year, um, we have these bike builds. And what the, the chapters do is they raise money and kids go on a wait list. And as the money is raised, they buy the bikes for the different kids on the wait list um, and then they give them away. So you can, the parents can give money towards the bike or they can just wait for their, the, enough money to be raised for their kid to be able to get a bike. And then they, we do the bike builds usually the night before and then the giveaways are the next day, which are super cool because the kids are so excited. And a lot of times they've waited about a year to get this bike that they've been able to ride in therapy. Um, so it, it's a really, really cool event that they do. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You are uh, so fun to follow on Instagram because honestly, oh, this everything that you post and the inspirations, I personally love the videos of your patients and being a father of two, that chokes me up a little bit, seeing these kids so yeah. happy. So. Uh, if uh, anybody wanted to find you on social media, where would they go? So on Facebook and on Instagram, I'm definitely more active on Instagram. It's at <laughs> Dr. Period J Pop. And then my website is drjpop.com. Is that a nickname? <laughs> it's a funny nickname, yes. How'd that come about? So I, um, I have a cousin, her name is Jill. Um, and I was Jennifer. And when we were born, uh, we had an uncle who called us Jenny Pop Pop and Jelly Pop Pop. And <laughs> so about two years ago, I that was my name on Instagram was Jenny Pop Pop. And I had someone yeah. say, that sounds like a stripper's name. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, nobody's gonna take me seriously if my my IG handle sounds like a stripper name. So in college, I had shortened it to J-pop to put one of those like personalized tags on the back of my truck. Um, and okay. so I was like, you know what? Let's just we'll keep it just so I can have a sentimental value. But I shortened it to Dr. J-pop. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to sound like stripper and I'm working with kids. That just doesn't seem to go together. <laughs> I, I, that was a good decision. That was a good decision. Yeah. <laughs> so we're... Excuse me. Where uh, are you going to be having some of these uh, tape courses coming up soon? You mentioned Vine. So for anybody not familiar, Vine is a continuing education uh, group that we work with with Rock Tape, and they run all of the PD's course. Correct, yeah, Jeff? all correct of the PD's courses for okay. right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So getting towards the end of the year, where are you going to be coming up soon? So I actually just taught my last PD's tour in New York this okay. past, like, like I think last week. Um, so okay. I will be teaching basic in Arkansas, Fayetteville, Little Rock, and then in Memphis um, in November and in cool. Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan in December. Ah, the yeah. Hopefully nice. it won't be too cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're be, well. that sounded promising. <laughs> uh, it's, uh. 
Well, you're in Nashville. Yeah. So right yeah, now. I have a few. I wouldn't say I don't think it's gonna snow. Well, that then I'm <laughs> good. I can deal with cold, just not the snow. There you go. There you go. Can I ask you um what is uh hashtag P4520? Um hashtag P4520. So uh last no this year, um Shante or the movement maestro, as everybody loves to call her, mm. was complaining mm. about the lack of presence of women um in our area um on social media. The more popular sites mm. and those that tend to come together and collaborate were those who were men. Um so she complained to me about four or five times and I finally said, Look, I'm tired of hearing you complain. You need to just do something about it. Um <laughs> figure out what you want to do and I'll support, but you, all this talking is really not going to get us anywhere. And so she um, met St uh, Steph Allen, who's part of, I can't remember, the Level Up Initiative. Um, and she was in Boston. She met her and they became friends and she decided she wanted to start this group. Now, the name came from a podcast, uh, Hidden Brain. I love podcasts, by the way. So this is awesome. Um, awesome. The Hidden Brain had one called Men 45, Women Zero. And it basically was talking about it led with the presidencies and how many presidents there have been that are men. And then how women are perceived professionally um, across the board and the different ways they were perceived. And so we that kind of got everybody fired up. And so we started this Facebook group for women uh, in July, actually July 1st. And it basically was creating an environment where you can empower women to speak up, to level up basically, and, and, and push themselves forward and push each other forward um, to be at the forefront of whatever career. Cause you know, you hear a lot of women say, um, oh, the men need to, and the men need to. And sometimes it's like, no, we just need to create a place for women to learn how to speak up, learn how to feel empowered enough to stand up and push themselves to the forefront of their career or whatever they want to do. So that is the long and short <laughs> behind hashtag P4520. That is absolutely oh, awesome. It's, it's amazing. That. Like that's a whole nother podcast. It has been an <laughs> amazing experience. I've met and connected with some amazing women. It's like 500 women in the group and yeah. they're absolutely amazing i want to high five you through the high five. air five right now. that's air awesome five. air five that's that's <laughs> awesome you know i see that i look at my little girl and i just see you're gonna do whatever the hell you want exactly. and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter your girl it doesn't matter how tall you are it does not matter you do whatever you want i love that you know uh can you repeat the facebook group name if is it the hashtag yeah hashtag p4520 okay. right now um Enrollments closed because <laughs> we had a lot of women, but we're probably going okay. to open again sometime sometime next year. And that that's exactly what you have, what you're instilling in your daughter. A lot of women didn't get. Um, you know, society that's has us in yeah. different places and tells us things that we can do. That's the generation mm -hmm. that we grew up in, and I, I think a lot of girls now are lucky because they have women to tell them, "No, really, you literally." can do anything you want and there's an example somewhere of what you want to do um so i think mm -hmm. i think that's awesome no i think you were an example for little girls and anybody of anything no, that you thank can do. you so thank that is you. fantastic and i appreciate you doing stuff like that as well too because we need more of we that definitely do
So check out Jen uh, on the Vine Tours, right? Yeah. So, uh, repeat, repeat that one more time, just in case anybody Which, missed it. Where I'm going to be? Gonna be, uh, be in, let me look at my website, Fayetteville, Little Rock, and Memphis in November, and then Fort Wayne, Toledo, and I don't know how to say that, but it's in Michigan. <laughs> you can go on my website, drjpop.com. <laughs> you can find where I will be. <laughs> <laughs> So go check out Jen, drjpop.com. It is uh, Instagram, dr.jpop. Yes. And then check out that Facebook group, hashtag P4520. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time. This was a great conversation. I learned a ton of stuff. I got some friends I need to talk to and make sure they listen to this uh, podcast. Thank you for having stuff. me. I'm very excited to launch this out. And I know we're going to have uh, some further conversations in the future. I look too. forward to that. All right, I will uh, talk to you soon, and thank you everyone for checking out the Rock Tape podcast. Bye.